My uncle Kenneth, one of my dad's older brothers, is the third in a family of five children. He lives in a locked ward in Piemont Hospital in Newcastle. This is my niece, Gilda. This is Mr. Liam Power. Hello, pleased to meet you. Yeah. She knows me nearly 15 years. And it's a month yesterday since we the last disco. That's right, yeah. So when is the next one? Oh, I haven't got a date yet, I'm afraid. No. Uh, I keep money's toes, don't I, Mr. Power? Oh, you keep your toes. You yeah. Do. Tell Gilda what I'm always mad about. What are you always mad about? Discos. Discos, right. And there's some going to the pantomime tomorrow night. That's right. I'm not sure who's going now. Do no. you know? No. I think Colette says she's gone. All right. Right, so. Oh, what do you think of that, Mr. Power? You're a nice man here. He's a lovely man. Yeah. Oh, he knows me nearly four, 15, he's yeah. over 14 That's years. True. 14 years? Yeah. yeah. Is your dad working today, Gilda? He is. He's doing a bit of college stuff. Yeah. Well, what time will be over out to me at? Oh, he's going to ring you first. Yeah, he's going to ring here first. Right. And then he said he'll be bringing you out. Quite for a chat. A brother, yeah. brotherly love. Oh, brotherly love. Come on, Annie. 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 Come on, well, I remember when we were at home together as children, um, we would have been very young, um, I think, you know, maybe five, six, that sort of age. And uh, he just monopolised everything. He, he, he took centre stage. He, everybody's attention was completely focused on, on him and his needs and what he wanted. And he had very simple ways of letting you know. He simply screamed, you know, two years of age, three, four... Tantrums were the were the way he functioned, um, so it was difficult having someone like Kenneth as a as a younger brother. It was myself and Eileen, and then Kenneth, and he really did make a big difference. This is my uncle Brendan. He's the oldest. He went off to become a Jesuit, but decided against it in the end. Um, my parents decided that really they couldn't cope with him, and that the right thing to do was to try and get him into some type of school. And uh, we, my father discovered the Augustinian, the, what were they called? I'm not too sure. The Brothers of St. John of God, that's it. And they had a place in Black Rock called Oblis Park. 
So they took Kenneth, and Kenneth became a boarder, basically, there. Um, now, that was simply a special school. There were people there who who were quite retarded, some who were you'd hardly notice that there was anything the matter with them. And uh, people went on a daily basis. Uh, Kenneth came home every weekend. Well, I think in the beginning, maybe not. But that was another thing. Our weekends were totally then monopolized, we all went out to Black Rock to see, to spend the afternoon, the Sunday afternoon with, in, in Black Rock with Ken and these other people. As time went on, we, we would go out, we'd bring him home for the weekend, he'd spend the weekend at home. And later on, as I got older, I remember cycling out to Black Rock from where we lived in Clambrassel Street, which is a good old cycle, and bringing him home on the bar of my bike. Um, so that, that's the way things were. You know, looking back and asking myself, well, did I resent what happened when, when Kenneth pretty well took over our, our young childhood? Um, I, I think not. I think it's something that I haven't dealt with. Um, I'm not able to be free emotionally when it comes to Kenneth. You know, he's still a problem for me. Uh, I don't see him anymore uh, because it's too difficult for me. Or, um, or maybe, it's, maybe it's more honest to say that it's too much of a problem. It's a problem that I, I'm not looking at at this time, you know. I do feel guilty. I mean, he is my brother. Um, I feel, yeah... Sorrow and guilt, I suppose, yeah. Tonight with Vincent Brown, Agri-View, Cross Currents, Brendan Balfe, Falchus Jock. Uh, they're my, they're my favourite programmes. The Foley Family, RT Radio 1. Uh, George Green played the part as Tom. Tom, but catch you, Tom. But Alice, I got delayed, Alice. Well, I had been in and out of hospital a lot. I used to have operate. I had a lot of operations there. In the eye and ear, cataracts. Yes, in both eyes. And then I went to Saint Augustine's Black Rock when I was seven years of age. And from there to Saint Raphael's. I was 23 when I came to live in Peamount. So now I'll give you some. It's a working man I am And I've been down underground And I swear to God if I ever see the sun Or for any length of time I can hold it in my mind. I never again will go down underground. At the age of 16 years, oh, he quarreled with his beard. To bow there could be another wife. To the dark recess of the mind 
for he'll take you back in time. And the cold dust lies heavy on your lungs. Kathy Dorkin sang that. So you're doing an imitation uh, of him? Doing an imitation of her is right. Her? <laughs> um, <clears throat> you love music, don't you? Oh, I do, yes. Did you ever play a musical no, instrument? No, never did. Did you not? No. You never ever got a present of a musical instrument before? A piano accordion. When did you get that? When I was nine years of age. When you were nine? Yeah. I bullied them into getting it for me. But by God, there'll be a day reckoning for it all, Gilda. <laughs> you get yeah. everything you wanted, didn't oh, you? Oh, I did. You still do? Still do. Spoilt. Yeah. Ah, sure. What other song will I sing for you? Doona Ray, do you remember that one? Doona Ray. Oh, to be in Doona with the sweetheart I once knew. To sprawl in the shade of a leafy glade where the rhododendrons grew. To sit with my love on the bridge above the rippling waterfalls. To go back home, never more to roam, is my dearest wish of all. If you ever go to Ireland, I'm sure you will. To take the road from Dublin town way down to Dunery, and there you find no wishing well beyond the chestnut tree in a shady nook by a winding brook. Will you make this wish for me? Oh, to be in Dunery with the sweetheart I once knew. To stroll in the shade of a leafy glade where the rhododendrons grew. To sit with my love on the bridge above the rippling waterfalls to go back home never more to roam is my dearest wish of all I like singing more than talking and music do you know who made that song? I sang Vera Lynn. Did you ever hear of her? Mm. She was popular. She was very popular around that time. And then she made the hit, the hit record of Avida Zane. Do you remember that? I heard of it, all right. Yeah. Uh, that was in 1952. When I was eight years of age. And your birthday this year is on a Monday. Yes. I remember going to St. Augustine's Black Rock. 
She'd used to go to see me there every Sunday. But during the week, if you want to come with me, all you have to ring. Not like here now. You can come any time here. Oh, you can, yeah. You can come any time you like. Do you remember a song called Premulator? And now we have the baby, and what a babe she is. Her eyes are green, she's quite a queen, we call her pretty loose. And every night when I go home, my wife, she says to me, Get the premulator and don't go far away. Oh, wheel the premulator, John, wheel it nice and slow. Don't get riled, mind the child, careful as you go. When you turn the corner, John, when you cross the road, and stop your front wheel up a bit, or over goes your load. I was very lonely there. I missed Dad and Mum. Softly, softly, come to me. Touch my lips so tenderly. Softly, softly, turn the key and open up my heart. Handle me with gentleness and say you leave me never in the warmth of your caress my love will live forever and ever so softly softly come to me Touch my lips so tenderly, softly, softly turn the key and open up my heart. I talked like I had been left there. And a week today, I was out in your house. A week so today? So what time is your dad coming at? He's to ring here. He uh, won't forget about you. No. I was very fond of him because he was my next down. And he was very amusing. He was, he was also very gentle. Um, nobody knew quite what, if anything, was the matter with Kenneth, apart from the eyesight problem. And I remember the, the discussions that would take place and my mother and father disappearing off to different doctors and, you know, long discussions about things like this. And it took them a good while to, to find out what, if anything, was the problem or what specifically was the problem. Uh, eventually, when he was seven years of age, the problem was diagnosed as that he had... Um, some sort of mental retardation and they sent him off to St John of God's in Obelisk Park. This is Eileen, who comes after Brendan in the family. She tried convent life for a while, but didn't stay. We shared the same room 
And we had our own little routine every night as kids would. And I didn't have that anymore with him. And I missed him terribly uh, initially. I missed him badly. And I remember that day well when he went. My, my father got absolutely drunk. And we were out in Malahide at the time. And, and that had a very lasting effect on, on my memory. M- my mother was saying, as, as he was driving home, af- having sobered up, that, oh, he was really great to be coping with this. And, you know, she was excusing the fact that he got absolutely pie-eyed while she also had to cope with the trauma. And, and so had I. I missed Kenneth going into hospital, but my dad was the star turn that day. So then Kenneth would come home at, and we, we visited him a lot. We, we still had a great connection with him. And he did very well out in, in Obelisk Park. He related well to the staff and he seemed to progress out there quite well. Then as he got to a certain age, they moved him off to um, St. Raphael's, I think it was, in Selbridge. And as the years went by, distances developed between us and uh, I began to withdraw from him I found him difficult getting more distant and I had a preoccupation with other things having said that I still felt a loyalty to him now I would content myself that he's okay he's in the right place so yeah I did less and less of of that type thing and now I do minimal you know, Anne does most of the caring about Kenneth. I will find out, you know, I'll always look after his birthday and his open day out there and if they have a Christmas concert and I will see him over Christmas. But to say that I do anything for Kenneth or about Kenneth at this stage in life, no, I don't really. No. <laughs> How's Nick? Listen, Gildit, I tell you, he meant to call out to me there since that. And I said to him, did you ring him? No. He didn't even ring? No. no. Okay. Yeah, just remind him of that one. I will. Yeah. Well, he said to say hello anyway. Yeah, right. But he'll definitely be out to me. I am Gilda. I wasn't this day week. I wanted to go into my room and Teresa locked it on me. To keep Pat Archie ball down. So, so that's what happened to me last week, Gilda. Teresa locked the room on me. She's a wood of our. See, every time she had to see Pat Archibald gone in, she'd run him. Because, you see, he brings bread and biscuits into the room. That would only bring mice. Now, I got a new lamp for the room. What do you want? And your dad used to say that to me every Sunday on the way back. And what would you always say? Bag of liquid salt, so three oranges, three apples, and a yorkie, and cigarettes. And oh, do you remember a singer named Al Martino? 
He used to sing Here in My Heart. You hear the girls and McGrath Burns. There's a few of them from St. Dan's come over as well. What do you think of Mickey, uh, Gilda? No. No, little Mickey, this is Bush. Bush. Fella, this is Noni. Noni. Is he a friend of yours? Don't you know little Mickey? That carries the bag around. Is he in your award? He is. Why not, Mick? He said he used to see me more often. So it'll be late afternoon, you'll be out on Thursday. And when you'll be out after that, are you free Tuesday or next week? Because he said he'd, be, he'd come try and get out to me more often. What's that? And you want What? Yeah, you want No, it's, it's a tape recorder. Yeah. 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 Can you feel it? Yeah. yeah. Mm, do you like it? Yeah. yeah. No, turn on the mic. Yes, the microphone there. Yeah. Uh, no. Can you feel yeah. it? It's in a yeah. basket. And you just take it off. Do you want to put my headphones on? Yeah. Say something now, Ken. Talk to me. Can you hear yourself? Yeah, no, I can't. Yes, sure you can. Yeah. Yeah. I promise you can. Does that make it better? It does. What do you think? You've got to say something, Kenneth, otherwise you won't hear anything. Hello? Yes. Always little with you. Ask them over from the laddie. And we don't know what's come to little Mary and Mulcahy. Forever since the day that Philly came a-whistling, she's dancing the doorway, and she's waiting and she's listening. Oh, Mary, oh, contrary, come in and shut the door. Phil's are over, short is over, and he'll not come back this door. But she's listening for the whistling. She's waiting by the door for that Adam to be warden out her ways once more. Bravo. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I'm a friend. Michael Perry. Yeah. Hello. Hi, sir. Hello. Hello. Yeah. What's your name? Hi. Anne Barnes. Oh, I do. So if I were to come back in a year, would you remember my I would. Name? If you were to come back the week after this, yes. I would. If I came back the week after this, you'd know my voice. I would, yes. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And would you know Gilda's voice? I would. Wouldn't I, Gildy? Yeah, Yeah. Hey, Daddy. Hey, Daddy. How are you? 
Well, the last time Mick seen me was nearly three weeks ago. Remember, Gilda? Yeah, you I came out to the house. I did. What did you do when you came out to the house? Had a drink. Is that all? Had a chat with you all. Did you get any dinner? Oh, I did. My ham and tomatoes. So it'll be late afternoon when you're out on Thursday. I know. I know that. Where's it from? Tipperary. No, I'm not from Tipperary. Where's it from? It's a long way to Tipperary. Yeah. No, 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 not that button, Kenneth. Not that button, Kenneth. Can you feel quiet today? Yes, what? You're not in the best of form. I wasn't la- last this day week. I know, but today you're very quiet. Yeah. See. Usually you're full of beans. I am. And I'll probably have more news for you the next time you come, Gilda. Are you confused? I am. At the time, I would have said that I, I, I thought uh, he was... Uh, there was very little wrong with Kenneth um, in that he was able to get whatever it was he wanted and, and uh, you know, his, his demands were met uh, far better than probably the average kid at the time. And I would have seen very little wrong with that. If anything, I would have seen that with rather an envious kind of view. I do see now that, um, you know, his sight was a difficulty. Um, uh, he had to be in hospital quite a lot. There was a, a number of operations that he had to uh, undergo, which obviously were very difficult for him. And um, obviously there was great sympathy from all of us uh, from that point of view. But I felt that he was a great man for, for, as I would describe him, probably wrapping my parents around his little finger. He He really got whatever it was he wanted. And I suppose I admired that. Uh, and in some way resented that. I have to say that I probably did resent that to some extent. Our lives, really, not just social, but probably all of our lives, to a large extent, were governed by what was going on with Kenneth. Um, Whether Kenneth was in or out of hospital, whether Kenneth was going to be home on holidays at summertime or at Christmas time or at Easter then the schedules would change and, uh, you know, for the whole household and we'd all have to row in and, and accommodate that. Um, so he was, even though he may not have been always present, his, his presence was always uh, very much a part of the household in, in, in every way. And this is my dad, Michael, Kenneth's little brother. He was difficult uh, to live with, uh, you know, as somebody who was 
okay, there was three years between it, but between us, but it wasn't that great of a gap. Um, I suppose we should have been better friends than we were, uh, but. I always seem to have been responsible for him, either, you know, or felt that I was. So I always felt that Kenneth, for me, was a, um, an interference in, in, in a lot of ways. And at the same time, I did understand that he was, he was different to the rest of us. Um, my mother would have been the centre of um, our family in a very real kind of a way. And I'm sure she wouldn't have coerced... Um, the rest of us into doing something about Kenneth. Um, she would have made us feel so damn guilty uh, that I think we would have felt it incumbent to do something. When my mother died, I think that died, and my father was far more, uh, or, or far more appealed to the practical side of us and to the, uh, and I suppose in some respects it was far more understanding of our reality and became quite minimalist about what he expected from us vis-a-vis Kenneth in that we should visit him, that we should take him out for a drink now and then, that we should bring him home for the odd weekend, that he should come home for Christmas. Uh, and even that minimal standard to some extent wasn't met. Um, so when I think about it, I think that maybe my when my mother died, and that's 20 years ago now, um, that was the beginning of the centre coming out of the family uh, and that she probably would have been the impetus to to make us want to do something a little bit more than we did, a lot more I think than what we actually did and certainly when I go and visit him in, in, in Piemont and I see um, the conditions that even though they're, they're, they meet his, his human needs in the sense that he, he has meals and that he has a bed and it's dry and it's, it's safe and it's comfortable, I do feel that um, uh, you know, he deserved better than that and that you know, as a family we, we have let him down. Yeah, I do feel that, yeah. Well, cheers. Okay, Ken, the best of luck. Best of luck. Cheers to you, Gareth. Look, well, I must say, I enjoyed that sandwich. Did you, Ken? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Have you had enough? Do you want another one or anything? Now? I'll have another one. Another really? pint there when you're ready, Garrett. All right. <laughs> oh, Hannigan was an Irish man. He came from Maryland's Isle. He had a broke, he had a fall, to get them half a smile. And when Hannigan gives a hooly, then he ra- they say a rap for tea. They say, you may not be a stranger if you're passing by yourself, say. Come into the parlour, you can make yourself at home. Come into the parlour, say you won't be on your own. There's Nick McGee, there's rap for tea, there's Murphy and Muldoon. The same McGinnigan's thought There doesn't know, know the taste of water In this case the stout sticking out This rope for the, the town There's bottles of good potching If you want to wash it down So if you're Irish Yes, you're Come, for there's a hoolion In Hannigan's house tonight You must be there now There's a hoolion in Hannigan's house tonight 
So you said you'd keep and you'd come out for me more often. That's my New Year's resolution. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you haven't broken it now, Mick. Oh, sure. He's here. Day at a time job, isn't it? I ah, know I will, Ken. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. When you be out again? Yeah, I'll be out to you next week. What day? I don't know. Can I can I give you a ring and, and um... Yeah, you oh, can give me a ring. Oh, why yeah. Why don't you give me a ring? I don't... You do have Declan one. was looking for your number and he couldn't find it. OK, well, I'll give it to you again. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll come out to you one day next week. And yeah. Have a jar. Yeah, we'll have a pint. Have a jar and we'll, we'll chinwag and gossip about... We'll... Whatever. Oh, uh, we'll gossip about the old times. Yeah, yeah. You were a bit of a hard man, weren't you, in the good old I was. Yeah. You didn't get your own way. You were... You, you were known to throw a punch, weren't you? I was. Yeah. As I can say, I mean, yeah. You clocked me one once or twice, didn't you? I did. <laughs> yeah. Why did you always win? Oh, no, that's the question. Yeah. Mm. I think the ref was on your side, wasn't she? It was. Wasn't she? Mo- she Mother was. tended to, to take your side, didn't she? Yeah. Mm. You didn't need to, though. You were well able to stand up for yourself, weren't you? I was. If I got nothing my own way, I'd be... What was it? Throw a tantrum at that? Would that be... Would that be fair, do you think? What about Friday of next week? Are you free Friday? I can't really say, Ken. Can I, can I leave it that I'll definitely ring you early yeah, in the week? Yeah, you I, can, yeah. I, well, I'll be there Monday night if you want to ring me. All right. I'll give you a ring on either Monday night or Tuesday night. Yeah. And we'll arrange yeah. a day. Is Friday good for you? Oh, it is. Yeah. All right. OK, well, I'll try and fit that in, but I, I you can't... You can come any time you like, you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been known to sip a pint even in the morning, haven't you? Oh. <laughs> I've been known to do acting for a quiet life, Mick. <laughs> You've been known to that for a quite I would. I, I don't know about that, Ken, would you? Provided you got your own way, is it? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was a, a topic of conversation between my mother and myself a, a lot. I, I used to feel there were, there were nights and she'd sit there and you, she'd say things like, um, what's going to happen to him when I'm not here and when your father's not here? No one will look after him. Nobody cares about him. Um, that was a huge worry to her. Yeah, I... He drives me mad, but I do like him. You know, he's he can be funny and... You know, I, I remember him the way he was before he lost his sight and all that. So he, he could be good crack at times and you miss that and I... I like him for all those things. I don't have a problem with him being around. I don't have a problem with him um, in his com- being in his company. I'm not uncomfortable with him. So I've no problem sort of giving him a hug, being physical with him, you know, uh, holding his hand, you know. He's like a big baby, really. You <laughs> know? 
It is. Yeah, it's not his fault. That's Anne, the youngest of the five. I resented more, like, Eileen, Brendan and, and Michael than I would have Kenneth because I felt they didn't play any part in in taking him for weekends or even when particularly Christmas time I I got uh, annoyed because I felt nobody would take him at Christmas except me so that used to eat me up terribly and then I just decided that um you know I said to me I sat down and talked to myself and I said look why am I getting so head up about it you know that they don't do it like, I'll either do it now because I want to do it and I'll do it when I can do it and to hell if nobody else does it, you know. Over the past two years, I haven't seen him on the same basis that I used to. I'd go out now. I'd always go for his birthday. Christmas, I'll always have him home and maybe once or twice during the summer, but that's all I do now. It used to be more frequent. I used to have him maybe... <clears throat> you know, Easter, Paddy's weekend, things like that, but not now. Yeah. If he's here, you have to facilitate him the whole time. You know, even if you were to say at Christmas now, he, when we, he was here on Stephen's Day, we went out to Eileen's to my sister's. To move around with him upsets him because he's so institutionalised now. Like, if he comes here, he likes to know he's here and he can find his way around. And So he confines me if he's if I take him now. So it's easier to go over and bring him out for a pint for, on a Sunday afternoon or do something like that rather than actually have him home here. Ken, so... Yeah. How are you? Hi, Ken. Oh, dear, yeah. Are you well? Yeah. How's your dad? Oh, he's grand. He said he'd be out to me this week. Did he say he'd come out? Yeah. What day will he be out, do you know? I haven't a clue, Ken. I haven't a clue. Could he make it Friday? Yeah, we've the headphones. Uh, remember the last day you were here, Gilda? What happened the last day? Remember, Ken, talk to me. I said to you? Yeah. <laughs> I always thought you were more talkative than you are. Then. Yeah. I feel depressed. And take the ashtray out, Gilda, and bring it back. Make sure the cigarette's out. I feel a bit that way, in in one way. No. What makes you happy again? Singing. Is that all? And and the cigarette and a drink and a pint. And a cigarette. Yeah. So would you be able to make it Friday? I told you, I don't, I'm not saying anything. I'll have a talk to him when I go home. Yeah. And see what he can do. Yeah. We'll go for a pint. Jeez, you're getting first fun to your pints. God damn it, I'm getting first fun to the pints. When Irish eyes are smiling, sure it's like a morning spring. 
in the lilt of Irish laughter, you can hear the angels sing. When Irish hearts are happy, all the world seems bright and gay. And when Irish eyes are smiling, sure they'd steal your heart away. Piment will still be here, Gilda, when I'm gone. My room will still be there. Hopefully. I won't die yet. Would you be scared thinking about death? I would. So would I. Yeah. But remember the time Mammy died. Oh, very sad for me. When did she die again? On the 13th of April, 1980. And your birthday is on a Friday this year. No. Are you bored? I am, Gilda. And here's another lovely song. With the parting of the ways, you stole all my happy days and left me lonely nights. Oh, morning never comes too soon. I can face the afternoon. But oh, those lonely nights. I feel your arms around me, your kisses linger yet. Now you taught me how to love you, now teach me to forget. You broke my heart a million ways, when you took my happy days and left me lonely nights. Right, thanks very much.